0: Today I'm going to talk about God's vision for generosity, God's vision, vision for generosity. And generosity starts with sharing. And our church some time ago decided that our three core values were to be led by God to be a daring, caring and sharing community with Jesus. And Lyndall is wonderful at sharing, and I am not. And that posed a little bit of a problem, that when we first started dating, and you cast your mind back, first date, and you're trying to impress, you're trying to woo, you're trying to do everything to convince the other person that you're worth a shot. And so we're out to dinner, and Lyndall um, uh, uh, asks me, she says, uh, what are you having? Like, I think I'm going to go for the calamari or the prawns, I'm not sure, but I love seafood. Any seafood fans amongst us? Yeah, come on. So I'm like, I'm going to go for the the seafood. And Lindell says, Are you sure? Would you like the steak? I said, Why? What are you having? And she says, I'm having the pasta. Like, why do I have to have steak? And she says, Yeah, because I feel like steak as well as pasta. Now, needless to say, over the next 25 years, I'm yet to enjoy a meal of my full choosing. still trying to convince little to stick around and do so by saying, yeah, babe, I'd love to um, have half a meal and you can take what what you like. I was very excited when the church said, yes, we should have sharing as a core value. (laughs) Wonderful. It means more painful meals I'm not going to enjoy. No, Jesus lived this life of constant sharing. Constant generosity. He lived in the throes of this to and fro of generosity. You see, he had no home. He had no land. He had no stuff. In fact, the clothes on his back were likely given to him as they wore out. And yet he lived a life of outrageous generosity. He was giving constantly. But the only reason he could give constantly was because he received constantly. We often don't think about Jesus in that space, but he was the beneficiary of much generosity to him. So people gave to him, and he gave to people, and people gave to him, and he gave to people. And it wasn't a payment system. It wasn't, oh, because you've done this, I will now do this. It was actually a system that empowered good and generosity and sharing to take place. It was an act of giving love and then receiving love and then giving love and then receiving love. And true sharing, true generosity, it can only come out of love. It was this moment when the Pharisees thought they'd had uh, Jesus' disciples and they chastised them for not upholding their tradition. And Jesus takes this opportunity to go to war against them. And he says these words, He says, you hypocrites. Isaiah, meaning the prophet, he was right when he prophesied about you. And Isaiah said, the people honor me with their lips. They are most generous in their verbalization of worship. But their hearts are so far from me. They worship me in vain, like to go the extreme, to say, look how holy we are, worshipping God. But their teachings are merely human rules. There is no divine in it. Generosity has to come out of love. A love for God, ultimately. We give in church because we love God. Because God is the only one worth our giving. When you think about it, no one else is really worthy enough for us to be generous toward if it's not but the grace of God that we have received, that we want to pass on. And my experience is that the closer your heart is to God, the more you will share generously. The people you meet that are super generous, their heart is close to God. It's like the woman in the scripture today that Kim read for us. She reveals to us that it is not the size of your bank account, but the size of your heart that furthers the kingdom of God. It's amazing, this woman. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put. So in the temple, they would have these offerings, and there was offerings for all sorts of different things. And they had this big spout on top, kind of trumpet-looking thing, And you would put your money, your offering, into theirs. It might do it for the poor, or for the community, or for the temple, or for the priests. You could choose. There was laws around what you should do and how you should navigate that. So Jesus sits down opposite this. There was plenty of seating. And he watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts. Giving, in that day and age, was a public sport. It's not in our day and age at all. But back then, it was a public sport. So for Jesus to watch, the people that were wealthy got very excited. A rabbi, look, I'm going to just, let me, let me bring in my offering. I'm just going to put this. Did you see this, Jesus? I know you're watching. This is great news that a rabbi was watching how much money was put in these things. It was wonderful for people. This is amazing. Dream Country, Best day to be at the temple. To give our offering, so imagine Jesus. He gathers his disciples there. He's like this sport is so good, and he pulls all the disciples in. And there was a sense of people going. Oh, and he's got all his followers to watch how holy and how good we are. And then he waits. He doesn't say anything. He just waits and he watches all the show-offs with cold hearts give these incredible amount of money, and he's like it's just not generous. Jesus still watches the way we give. He still sees our heart the way we give. But then, in the midst of it, a poor widow came up and put in two very small copper coins with only a few cents. This is the moment Jesus is waiting for. It's like I waited all day for this. And it's likely she felt utterly ashamed. You imagine the clang of those two tiny coins. They would have rattled down this. She's just like, I want to get out of here. It's similar. We've got an offering box by the door. And those of you that don't direct debit, we encourage you to put your offering either at the start or the end of the service in that box. But it's like us putting a mechanism on that. But when you put in your money, remember those money boxes when you're a kid and you put in the 50 cents? He goes, 50 cents. It's like you're putting in the offering and all of a sudden it blurts out to everybody how generous you are. Like, oh, they gave $50. It's amazing. Or somebody like, <laughs> just 10 cents in this one. And, and you would be mortified when you're absolutely like, oh, I don't want. And so this woman who has nothing puts these two coins in and everyone would, would have known exactly what was going on, or at least what they thought was going on. And so calling his disciples to him, he's like, this this, fella's, this is what we've been looking for. Truly I tell you, this poor widow that you've just seen, She's put more into the treasury than all the others. They would have seemed completely puzzled. Like, oh, Jesus, you're really good with the spiritual stuff. You are rubbish at accounting. That's not what happened. Because that tiny offering, two coins, that is not enough to keep the temple in tip-top condition. Oh, boy, a whole host of food for those who are poor in the community. It was cute. It was a nice effort. Good try, but quite underwhelming, to be honest. But Jesus is in the process of transplanting the temple that was in Jerusalem and taking the meaning of that and placing it in the human heart. And so he's in a different wavelength. He's thinking about it completely differently. And he says to them, they all gave out of their wealth, but she gave out of her poverty. She put in everything, all she had to live on. Now, those two coins, we're told, are one of two denominations. This is likely what they actually look like. You can actually buy one of them now for, guess how much? Only $50. Not from me, I don't have them. But yeah, they're they're worth $50 now. Anyway, that has got nothing to do with what I'm about to talk about. I just thought it was interesting. So the two coins that the woman put in are either one of two denominations of the smallest currency available. So the description relates to either one of two denominations. The first is called a leptin. A leptin was the smallest coin in circulation, like, like a five cent piece. And a prutot, and I've probably massacred the pronunciation of these, but a prutot, which doesn't sound very Roman or Greek, does it, anyway, is the second smallest, and that's worth twice a leptin. So it's like a ten cents. But we need to put this in context. How much was it actually that the woman put in to the temple? Well, today in Australia, the average weekly salary, full time salary, is one thousand seven hundred and sixty nine dollars. Which means the average daily salary is $250 a day. And don't worry about tax. We're not getting into all of that this morning. Now, in Jesus' time, a denarius was your average daily wage. So back then, a denarius was an average daily wage. And right now, $250 is an average daily wage. Now, a lepton is one-sixty-fourth of a denarius, so a leptin is one sixty-fourth of $250, which gives us $3.95. And so she put in two, $7.90. And if it was a top and not a leptin, it was the big, the big ticket. She put in the equivalent of $15, which is all she had to live on. $15. And when she offers it, Jesus concludes, he says... She, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. And we see that incredible God moments hinge on generosity. The disciples see something that they'd missed entirely and completely because of the overwhelming generosity of this woman. I've known homeless people to do the same, to be so impacted by the grace and the goodness and the kindness of God that their response to that is to give everything. Just going to empty my wallet out. That's all the money I have. I just want to say thank you, or I'm going to give this and give it to somebody else because God has been so faithful in my life. Such extravagant percentage of generosity, far more than we're comfortable with in the middle class. And it's usually because they've experienced and been impacted and transformed by God's grace. That they're simply honouring this cycle they've been brought into. God has given me everything. So I want to give everything back, and if I give everything back, God's going to give to me, and then I can keep on giving. I experience this too. I get to give and do what I do because the church says, we want to give you a stipend to do that. A stipend isn't a salary. A salary is where you work, um, and then you're paid what your work is worth. A stipend is permission to do that which you're called to do. So you guys and the council, the church, say we want to give you a stipend that covers your living allowances so you can pursue the call of God. And we recognize and discern that the call of God is serving as pastor, as minister in this church. And so the incredible God moments I get to be part of are because of the generosity of the church, allowing that to take place. Incredible God moments hinge on generosity. I get to be part of that to and fro of God, and I love it. I am so thankful for it, which is what God welcomes us all into. He welcomes us all into the to and fro that Jesus lived with. You see, our Western capitalistic economy, it makes it very difficult because we can easily go, "Ah, Jesus, just, I've got this. Just step to the side. I know how to make money. I've got my job, and I know where the money's going to go, and I know how to do this. Like you're doing good with the spiritual teaching and stuff, but I've I got this. And we take care of how much money we can make and what we do with that money and how we save that money. And there is nothing wrong with that. There is nothing wrong with that. But I do sense Jesus says, "Come over to my economy. It's more exciting, it's more faith-filled. It'll stretch you more. It's truly terrifying. But dip into my economy more than that one. Have an economy of grace where you live with such generosity that you pour it out and I will pour back into your life and it will surprise you every time. Rather than you controlling how much money's in and how much money's out. Incredible God moments, they hinge on generosity. Generosity. There's a story in the book of Acts. Acts is the first book of the Bible where the early church is getting established. And before the church is even on its feet, uh, Peter and John are walking into the temple one day. And there's a beggar there who has damaged feet. He can't walk. And so every day he's placed there to beg for food. Uh, the cake called Beautiful. And as he, as he walks in... As the disciples walk in, the man says to them, can I have some gold or silver, please? It would have been his cry, Just uh, and it doesn't mean actual gold or actual silver, it was the color of the coins. Can I have some money to help me get through? And Peter said to him in Acts 3.6, silver or gold, I do not have, but what I do have I give to you, everything. I'm just going to give you it all. It's like I've got nothing. I've been following this guy, and he had nothing, and so I have nothing, but... All I have is faith. All I have is the goodness of God and the grace of God, and I'm just going to give that to you. And so he says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. And then he grabs him by the hand and he helps him up, and the man stands up and he can walk again. Incredible God moments hinge on generosity, which is what Jesus' economy is all about. God invites us into these incredible moments where we get to see his power do amazing things, which our current economy cannot offer us. But Jesus can. And when we're part of that economy, he asks us a question. He says, what do you have that another can benefit from? What do you have that another can benefit from? And so it was a few months ago now, and I went to see a friend of mine, and they were recalling how they were in a really difficult position. Their car had been, this isn't their car, but I just thought it was funny with the swans swimming around it. But their car had been flooded, written off flooded, and at the same time, they'd lost their job. My heart just felt so heavy. And I wanted to buy them a new car, but we couldn't afford it. And so I'd been been praying, and when God had brought their name to my mind, I'd been praying for them. And I was at the traffic lights at the Stockland Shopping Centre coming down West Burley Road. And I I was just praying, like, Lord, is there any way for you to get her a car? Can you get her a car? And as I'm praying and having this holy moment, I was interrupted by a phone call. So the phone call came through the the car um, thing. And so I pressed go. And a mate of mine on the other end says, hey, so something really strange has happened. God's told me that I should call you and buy a car for somebody. And I nearly crashed my own car. I was like, no. Nah. It's like, like, there is no possible way. Like, what, what is... And So I was a bit silent. And I think he's just like, oh, the deadline, what's going on? And I said, you, would, you will not believe this. But I was just praying about this scenario and thinking, how on earth? And he's like, well, you, I'll do it. Like, just make it happen. And so I went round. Straight away, I was so pumped. So excited. So I went around to my friend's house. I knocked on the door. And they came to the door. And they're all like, you know, okay, like, hey, how's it going and stuff? i like, no, 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 got to get to the point. Something incredible's happened there. They're not a Christian, single mom, number of kids, doing life tough. And so I said, I've got to tell you a story. And so I tell them that story. And she starts crying. And she says to me, I do not deserve this. And I said, that's the point. Of course you don't deserve it. That's grace. None of us deserve the goodness of God. And she struggled with that. So then she said, shouldn't somebody else have it? I said, I think God's looking after everybody else just like he's looking after you right now. And she just overcome and accepted it. It changed the course of everything For her, She was having to catch public transport at one o'clock in the morning to travel like a good hour away to do a cleaning job that she picked up because she didn't have a car. Because she had a car, she could then apply for a different job and things shifted and moved around. Incredible God moments hinge on generosity. So what do you have that others can benefit from? A wise friend of mine always said, the Lord owns the cattle on a thousand hills. I think the Lord is in the business of cattle relocation. Just move some cattle from here and put them over here, them over here, there. You see, God does not have a shortage of resources. Just think about it for a second. God owns everything; it's all God's. He does not have a shortage of resources. He is only limited by a shortage of generosity in the hearts of those who steward his resources, and we are the stewards of his resources. And you can be generous with what God has given you because God has more. And he'll give you more. He's not going to make you have nothing so somebody else has something. He's like, oh, you're this channel. My goodness, my generosity, my grace to others. Because he knows that God's incredible God moments hinge on generosity. But let me speak to you about it from a different angle just for a moment. Another friend of mine, a really close friend, we were talking one time, and they shared how they really struggled in receiving acts of outrageous generosity. They said, I can be very generous, but I have enormous trouble when someone is very generous to me. And I said, why? She said, it doesn't feel right. It just, I feel like I'm taking something I don't deserve. And I said, you know, receiving acts of generosity is as much a grace-filled act as giving them. For, for sharing, to be truly generous, it has to cost the giver, right? You can say you're going to give $100,000 to this thing and you can look good, but until you let go of that money, you're not being generous, right? It has to cost something. The only way it can cost the giver, is if the receiver accepts. So when we receive God's generosity, we're actually validating the heart of God. And when we receive another's generosity, and we wait for the bike. When we receive another's generosity, we're validating their generous heart. Which brings us to the only reason we don't want to receive Generous gifts, and it's because of our pride. I don't like talking about our pride because we all have pride. We just don't like it. The most generous gift that has ever been given, that will ever be given, is what Jesus did for us on the cross by giving his life and everything, by taking on our sin. And there are two reasons why someone can't accept what Jesus did for them. First is a lack of belief. I just don't believe it. I just need to believe. And the second is Pride. And pride sounds like, nah, I'm all good. I've got this. Because the heart of pride is self-sufficiency. And how hard is it not to want to be self-sufficient and dependent, especially on God? C.S. Lewis said, Pride not only makes people enemies with each other, it also makes people enemies with God. He also said, Pride leads to every other vice. It is the complete Anti God state of mind. <whistles> Only C.S. Lewis, right? <laughs> like, oh man, if I, said, if I just said, hey, and I just preached this, it'd be trouble afterwards, right? But C.S. Lewis says it, we're like, yeah, yeah, it's, it's got a point. We have to relinquish our pride in order to pick up our salvation. We have to put down our pride in order to be part of the generous and generosity of God and the generous life. God invites us into. And Jesus teaches us. He says it's okay to do it. It's safe to do it. It's faith to do it. Because you will receive from others and you will receive from me as you give and you pass on to others. Because you're living obedient to God's will. So Jesus invites us into this to and fro that he lived in. He invites us into the generosity, into the trust. Because he knows. In fact, he invented the idea. Incredible moments. Incredible moments god moments hinge on generosity there's some questions for us to ponder this morning what incredible god moment does he have in store for you through your generosity what is it when's it going to be when's he going to surprise you with it? has he already been speaking to you is it actually receiving today the gift of eternal life Is it actually going, yes, God, bring your salvation to the fullness of my life because I need it? Is it seeing someone else who has less, seeing their life turned upside down and completely transformed by an act of generosity? Is it helping others you know to experience more light than the darkness they currently have because of your generosity? Is it simply a challenge for you to lay down your pride? Is it giving to God in creative and powerful ways for Him to do what only God can do? Well, I wanted to preach a little bit less, so we could spend a bit more time just listening to God in prayer this morning, that God might start to answer some of those and respond to some of those questions, to, to guide us where He wants us to go. So let's pray. Lord, we are yours. You give us so much. You put the air in our lungs. You enable life to course through our bodies. You give us each other. You give us your grace and you give us faith in you. And Lord, we are so thankful. Forgive us for taking that stuff for granted. you to place on our hearts right now that person or that name or that situation circumstance the organization or whatever it is that you're wanting to do truly something wonderful in and use our generosity to enable that as we think about these things we battle with our pride it dwells in all of us we wish it didn't but it does Lord take away our pride show us our desperate need for you reveal to us the depth and the darkness of our sin that we might cling to you. Lord, for those here this morning, they hear again of your generosity and feel as though they want to respond to that to your grace and your goodness and your forgiveness, Lord, bring salvation in, in, in its entirety to their lives, their hearts right now. Lord God, teach us to live in the to and fro of your generous heart, your generous life, that we might give and might receive and might give and might receive. That we may feel and know the thrill of what it was to be truly and what it is to be truly reliant on you, Lord Jesus. And this work that you've started and us continue it on this week. Surprise us with incredible opportunities to be generous and whatever that looks like for us whether it's the two tiny copper coins or whatever else, Lord. Have our hearts, we pray, and we ask this in your name. Amen. Let's